to St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And we are going to read from verse 11 to 32. Luke's Gospel 15, verse 11 to 32. And this morning we are going to all stand up. Let's stand up before the Lord as I read the scriptures. Luke 15, I'm reading from verse 11. And he said, that is Jesus, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want and he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country and he sent him into the field to feed swine and he will fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him and when he came to himself he said how many higher servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants bring forth the best robes the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring him that defaulted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to marry now his elder brother was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he had music and dancing <clears throat> and he called one of the servants and said and asked what these things meant and he said unto him thy brother is come and thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound and he was hungry and would not go in therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never givest me a kid, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meant that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and he is found. Shall I be seated? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the teaching of his word in Jesus' name. By the grace of God this morning, I will be speaking on the subject profitable insight. 
profitable in sight. Profitable in sight. Shall we pray? Precious Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. As we approach your word, we ask you for unction. Anoint me to speak as an oracle of God. Anoint the people's ears to be listening, their minds to be open, and their spirits to be receptive. Lord, the purpose and the reason for which you are sending this message today, let it be achieved and attained, and help us to be doers and not hearers only. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Profitable in sight. By the grace of God, one area of our lives as believers, which I believe that God is constantly working upon, is God is constantly working upon the way we see things. God is constantly working upon the way we see things. The way we see circumstances and situation. The way we see others. The way we see him. God is constantly working upon that. God wants to improve the way you and I see things. He wants to improve our world image. He wants to improve our views. He wants to improve that. You will all agree with me and probably admit that many, many times with reference to many things in many places on many occasions, the way you see things are usually not the way you ought to see those things. The way many of us see things are not actually the way we ought to see it. And I can assure you that God is always working upon the way we see things, the way we see offering, the way we see church life, the way we see prayer, the way we see holiness, the way we see the fruit of the spirit, the way we see the kingdom of God, the gifts of the spirit, God is always working upon it. Whether you know it or not, the way you see things go a long way to influence several areas of our lives. God is always working upon an important area of our life and that is the way we see things. Without any fear of contradiction, I want to share with you this morning in, at the, in the, uh, to begin with in this message the forces at times that influence and have been known to affect the way you and I see many things. Many forces interact to influence and affect the way we see money, the way we see relationship, the way we see church membership, church commitment, the way we see marriage, the way we see deliverance ministry. The way we see the need to read the Bible. The way we need we see the need to pay our tithes. Several, several things. Several, several things. Influence and interact to influence as it were. The way we see things. And I'm going to give you a few of them quickly in a jiffy. Number one. One thing that first of all influences the way we see things. Is our background. Our background. When you develop in a polygenous home. That is in a home where there are more than one mother. You are likely to have a competitive spirit. Because the spirit in a, in a, a, the spirit in a, in a polygenous home is one of competition. It is not one of complementarity. It is one of competition. Where you are from the background of a large family. Where it is a struggle for existence and the survival of the fittest. You are likely to be someone 
who is likely to be in a hurry with the feeling that if you are not in a hurry what you are supposed to take someone else will take it so our background usually influence the way we see things if you come from a background where there is a lot of distrust where people are dishonest where people are not straight where people are not uh, they don't tell the truth the likely possibility is that you will always view everybody and look at everything with distrust because of your background God said it to me like this several years ago I will never forget he said usually as human beings we do not see things the way they are but we see things the way we are which means our background influence the way we look at things our background at times the way a scientist will look at something will be different from the way a social scientist will look at it the way a politician will view a relationship will be different from the way a pastor will look at it because a pastor is a man of God a politician is a man of the people and that background always comes into the way we look at things the way we the way a married person looks at something is usually likely to be different from the way someone who is single looks at the same thing so our background affects the way we see things many many times we are trying to correct people in the way they see things without taking notice of their background of where they are coming from of where they have been as it were the background the background against which they are i want us to view things against people's background the first thing that influences the way we see things is our background secondly another thing that interacts and influences the way we see things is our experiences our experiences i mean all of us without exception have had several experiences i mean if your experience have been such that you've been disappointed several times over again you're likely to look at promises and commitment by people in a slightly different way if you have ever been rejected abandoned forsaken overlooked if you have ever been at critical points instead of being supported if you have ever been denied what is so valuable it will affect you our experiences go a long way to affect the way we see things if things have been tough for you generally you look at money in a different way well you see the way people handle money and the way they look at paying tight at times because of their experiences with money they have never seen money that much and so whatever little they have they hold on to it but if you are coming from an experience from a background an experience where money had always been available you know money can come and money can go you are likely to use money and see giving money in a slightly different way i know the kind of background i come from but also more than that i know the experiences that i've had in life at times when people come and say please help me and you help them another person comes help them another person comes help them uh, some people may look at you and say why is it that you are helping everybody or people may even take it for granted and say well don't worry just go to him he will help you the reason why people help people and some people don't help is probably their experiences if you have ever been someone who suffered lack you are likely to be more compassionate if someone helped you experience can also affect the way we see things number three thing is that at times many of us see things just from the way people tell us to see it in other words you do not actually take the pain to look at those things personally 
you just base the way you see it on the way others who have seen it say it is. In other words, you are not careful to make sure you see those things by personal interaction. But rather you come to conclusion based on what people have said. What people have said could be determined by other things. And for you to base the way you see somebody else or something on what somebody have said is likely for you to come out with the wrong conclusion. Remember, I'm speaking on profitable insight. Many, many times we see people as bad people because someone said they are bad. We see people as this and that because someone said it. How are you sure of the sense of judgment of the person who told you is bad? Don't you think it's better for you to have a first-hand personal, specific, definite experience? Because whether you know it or not, somebody thinks you are bad too. And if you base your the way you look at someone based on what somebody has said it is, uh, that person is, you are likely to be acting out in error. The word of God says in Job chapter 5 verse 27, he said, lo, this thing we have searched it, so it is. He said, hear it and know it yourself for your good. Acts 17, 11 tells us about the Berean Christians. He said, the Berean Christians were more noble than the Christian of Thessalonia. They received the word of God with all meekness. He said, but when they get home, they still search whether these things were so. A member of this church recently shared a testimony with me. And it was such a blessing. This member of this church happened to be living in a particular place. But you see, people around that place have been told stories. They have been, they have been given accounts about this church. They were not true and they were actually unfounded. They are things that are farthest from the truth, but they held on to it. And they kept behaving to her based on those things they have heard. But the day came when they decided to just put that aside and really get to know this person who was a greater, who is a great ambassador of this church for who that person is. And after they interacted with the person and saw the devotion, the Bible reading, the praying life of this person, they came out with a different conclusion. They became sympathizers instead of skeptics. They became witnesses instead of uh, people who stand aloof. So at times the way we see things have been determined, influenced greatly by what other people say they have seen. I want you to know this, that two people can be looking at the same thing. While one will see how blue the sky is, the other person will see how dirty the gutter is. Let me say this to you. We are usually not seeing things the way they are. We are seeing things the way we are. When the 12 apostles, I mean when the 12 leaders of the various uh, tribes in Israel were sent out to go and spar the land. 10 of them came back and said, we be not able. Two of them came back and said, we are able. Numbers 14 verse 9. Say, let us go up at once. Their defense is departed from them. God is with us. You will not even believe that those two classes of people saw the same thing. Why some people are saying, listen to this. They said, we, we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so were we in their eyes. Which means they are not looking, they are not seeing those things the way they are. They are seeing those things the way they are. They said, we, we are like grasshoppers in our eyes, first of all. Then they say, so were we in their eyes. Now, how can you know how you are in somebody else's eye? I mean, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, unless, unless that person tells you. And there was no incident, at least in that starting out of the land experience, that indicated that they ever told the children of Israel their own personal opinion of who they were. 
But the children of Israel saw the giants the way they were. Did not the children of Israel did not see giants the way they are. They saw the giants the way they are. It was their vision of themselves that influenced the way someone else sees himself. So it's important for you to know this. Another thing that determines the way we see things are other people. They influence, they say things, they try to force their impression and opinion upon you. They want you to believe that what they have seen is right. I want you to know that not everybody is looking up. Some people are looking down. Some people are looking around. Some people are looking behind. And when we are not looking in the same direction, in the same spirit, with the same background and experience, we are likely to come to different conclusions. So it's always better for us as Christians to look at things in a different way. Not just from the way people tell us uh, these things are. The fourth way, the fourth thing that influenced the way we see things is that we see things today, normally people see things today the way they have always seen them. People see things in a traditional manner. In other words, they see you today the way they saw you yesterday. They do not believe that you could have changed. They, could, they, they don't believe that you could have gotten better. They don't believe that you may have been delivered from that bad habit. They still look at you as a child, though you are 23. They still look at you as ignorant, though you have been educated in the world. They still look at you as nobody, though God has made somebody out of you. God has called you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. But there are certain people that what influences them is the way they always see things. They have always seen it the same way. In other words, they cannot accommodate seeing things in a different way. They see it today the way they saw it yesterday. They see it traditionally. They see the way we have always seen it. And that's one of the problems of the children of Israel. Today when you go to Israel, there are still people who are under the law. Despite the fact that Christ has come. They have refused to admit that a new testament has been written. They have refused to admit there is a new and a living way to worship the Lord. They are still worshiping God according to the oldness of the letter. Instead of the newness of the spirit. Now those are people who have seen things the way they have always seen it. In other words, they are so traditional. I mean, in the early part of this year in the workers training, we talked about new conventional ways of reaching out to people. There are still so many Christians who believe that, well, it still has to be the way it has always been. They do not realize that society is changing and that the word of God has so many other facets to it and that various kind of tricks through the ministry of the word of God have to be developed to be able to catch various fishes. Today in the, in the Christian world, if you are going to win some souls, you cannot use the method they use in the 19th century. You cannot use the method that worked probably in the 20th century. The 21st century calls for the internet, web addresses. Uh, there are some people who are I'm speaking to you now will not buy any audio cassette from you anymore except CD. I mean, if you're going to reach them, you're going to have to put your messages on CD. There are some people who are not going to watch a particular kind of station. If you're going to reach them, you're going to put your program on satellite. So, we are going to have to do what Paul said. I made all things unto all men, so that by all means, I may win some. But some people view things the way they have always viewed it. They look at you today the way they have always looked at you. <laughs> I remember recently, I was speaking to my executive assistant and I said, you this little girl. She said, ah, is that you are still looking at me like the 15, 16 year old girl that you used to know. She said, I'm no longer a girl, I'm a woman. I said, what kind of woman are you? I mean, evidently, it is because I was still looking at her 
to where I've always seen her. You know, at times, because we are children to our parents, they can't see that we have grown up. They can't see that we have matured. They can't see that we have gotten better. They can't see us probably in a different way. And at times, that is the way you are. People still think, well, church life still in this 21st century will still have to be the way it was in the 19th and the 20th century. And if you don't do it like that, they say, give me that old-time religion. I want you to know that the path of the righteous is like a shining light that shining more and more to a perfect day. There are some hooks we used to use in those days to catch some fishes. They will catch only tadpoles now, only tadpoles. Only children will respond to such altar calls. I was in a particular crusade for about four, four days. I remember years ago in this time. Every day the man will give an altar call, only children will respond. Every day the man will give an altar call, only children will respond. So we came to a meeting and we were discussing. And we are why is it that it's only children who respond to this man's altar call? And I said, the kind of message and illustration he uses only appeals to children. And it's only children who can find a meaning with what he's saying. I mean, it's only children who can be moved by such things. I mean, there are other people there who need to be moved. And we talked about it and shared this message with the crusade man who came to preach. By the next time when he started preaching and he started using the proper examples, the right illustrations, and started using the right scriptures to back up himself, we gave the attacker. We saw that adults now responded. Married people now responded. I mean, it's because he was using different hooks now. There are some fishes that cannot be caught by hook and line. And it is not, you don't even, you can't even catch them by the simple net. You have to use trawlers to be able to catch them. You have to use other, even if you put gamelin 20, it does not affect them. They will drink all the water and it doesn't move them. I mean, you have to use some other kind of things. So, so some people see things the way they have always seen them. And it's time, I believe, like I always say, to change. Remember, I'm speaking on a profitable insight. And I'm saying people see things based on their background, based on their experience, based on what others have told them. The fifth way, the fifth thing that influences the way people see things is that people see things in the way it will favor them. They never see it in another way except the way it will favor them. They never see it in another way in which it will favor the kingdom. They never see it in another way in which it will favor somebody else. The word of God tells us to bear one another's infirmity. And in this way we will fulfill the law of Christ. Many times because of the human nature, we are so concerned about I, me, myself. And so no matter what way he sees it, he must be the winner. He does not see that others are involved. He does not see that other people's joy and peace are also involved. And that's one of the things when you talk about the tail bearer. A tail bearer goes about bearing tails. He is only bothered about what he feels about the situation. He does not bother about the reputation of someone else. And even when you rebuke him and say, hey, stop that. Stop doing such a thing. He cannot say, why? He said, ah, that's the way I feel. He is only seeing it the way he favors him. There are other people who are involved. And you need to realize that you don't just have to see it in your own way. You have to realize there are others who are involved. And you need to see it to benefit the body, to benefit the totality of those who are there. And not just I, me, myself. The sixth one, because of time. The sixth thing that influences the way we see things is that we see things as men. 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 I mean, we see things the way man sees. Now, many, many times we see things naturally speaking, physically speaking, and humanly speaking. But you need to know that you are a Christian. You are more than a man. 
I, I had a message some years ago preached by a man of God by the name of Kenneth Hagin Jr. And the title of the message was More Than Human. You are more than human. You are not just body. You are soul. You are spirit. When you see things, you should also see those things not just as soul and body, but also spirit. I mean, you need to see things the way God, 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 God will probably have you see them. Because many, many times, we are so conscious of that. I'm a man, no? I mean, but you still have to know that you are a believer. And as a believer, you are more than man. I mean, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Our light afflictions, which are just but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The way Joseph saw his problem in the hand of his brother was more than a human reaction to a situation. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, he said, For we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. I mean, Moses had to see the call of God on his life, not from the natural physical angle only. If you had looked at it from the angle of a man, Moses was already regarded as a son of Pharaoh. He did not need to leave Pharaoh's palace. But the Bible tells us in Matthew, I mean, in Hebrews eleven twenty nine that he saw him that was invisible. Which means that Moses saw more than just man. He did not just look at it as man. When you're looking at something, look at it physically. Look at it naturally. Look at it humanly. But more than that, look at it also from the angle that you are a spirit. Many, many times the reason why people suffer in some situation is that whenever anything happens to them, the only thing is natural. It is physical. They do not look at their, their spiritual implications. The things that we see are made from things that do not appear. When you fail an exam, it is more than the fact that you did not write the enough points. There could be some other spiritual forces. When you, you cannot have a baby on time, your promotion does not come on time, don't just think there is one man who hates you. There may be spiritual implications. There may be other things behind it that is responsible for what you are seeing. Many, many times, as a Christian, you need to know that though we are in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Second Corinthians 10, 3. The weapon of our warfare are not cannot be magic through God to the putting down of strongholds. We are not fighting against persons with bodies. We are fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. Demons, devils, those who hate us with perfect hatred, the devil himself. So, all of this, you need to see things in a little deeper way from the way you have always seen things. I'm speaking this morning unprofitable insight. Now you see things based on your background. You see things based on your experience. You see things from what people tell you about it. And so if you're not careful, your conclusion will be based on what people say. You also see things at times the way you have always seen it. I mean, at times, it has, it, the time is up for you to take a different view of some things. A different view of your holiness standard. A different view of your financial commitment. A different view of your spiritual commitment. A different view of the subject of loyalty to leadership. A different view of your church membership. A different view of how you come to church. If you keep seeing things the way you have always seen it, you need to realize that when you were a child, you spoke like a child. You understood like a child. But now you are no longer a child. You are a man. And you should put away childish things. I mean, many people cannot keep seeing their life the way they saw it as bachelors. I mean, when you become blessed by God and you become wealthy, you can't keep seeing money the way you saw it as a poor man. 
when you become educated, you can't keep seeing things the way you used to see them when you're not acquired that kind of knowledge. When you answer the call of God upon your life into the ministry, you cannot keep seeing things the way you saw them when you were just a believer. When you begin to travel around in ministry and begin to meet people and begin to get exposed to preaching in other places, you can't keep seeing things the way you have always seen them. The time always comes for you to change. Second Corinthians 3, 18, we are to open faces, beholding us in the middle of the glory of the Lord. We are changed. In this year of profiting, seeing that we have a promise left for us of every day's rest. If we are not going to come short of it, you are going to have to alter some things. You are going to have to see praying a different way, fasting a different way, giving a different way. Because if you are going to enter into the blessings of profiting, there has to be an alteration in your viewpoint. Because whether you know it or not, the way you see things will always shape your life. Quickly, let me go on by saying this. Now, I believe that God does not want those six things to influence the way we see things. God does not want your background only. Your background will influence it. He does not just want your experience only. Your experience will have some input. He does not just want what people have said to influence the way you see things. He does not just want the way you have always seen it to keep influencing the way you keep seeing it. He does not also want you to your human nature to keep being the only thing that influences the way you see things. By the grace of God, I want to give you four things that I believe God has clearly stated should assist us in being able to see things the way we should see them. The first thing. I believe that if you are going to see things the proper way, and that is what God is trying to change. God is trying to change the way you look at things. He's trying to, God is working on our world image. He's trying to change the way we look at him, the way we look at challenges, the way we look at problems. I mean, there was a time, the way we look at him, the way we look at challenges, the way we look at problems. I mean, there was a time I felt that if something evil happened, or a tragedy, or a challenge, or a difficulty happened to someone, well, it must be because the person is out of place. Now, challenges can come because you're out of place. But you can still have challenges for righteousness sake. I mean, Job was not out of place as it were. But you see, he went through all those things that he went through. Joseph was not out of place. But he went through all those things he went through. I mean, I had to update as it were. The things that determine the way I see things. Remember, I'm talking about profitable insight. Profitable insight. How can I see things the way I'm supposed to see them? And I'm giving you four quick points. Number one. We need to come to the point as Christians where the word of God should influence the way we see things. Which means what the word of God says things are is what we should accept as what those things are. God's word paints a picture of things. When God's word says this is the way things are, it is impossible but that offense will come. I mean the Bible tells us in Luke 17.1, it said it's impossible but that offense will come. Matthew 18, 7. It's a word to the world because of offense. Now you need to look at it like that. That there is nothing you can do that people will not offend you. And when you are offended, now you still need to see the way the Bible says you see it. He said if your brother offend you, rebuke him. If you repent, forgive him. If you offend you seven times and seventy times, seven times in a single day, offend you and repent, he said forgive him. Which means you should be unlimited in forgiving people. I mean the word of God should condition the way we see things. It should condition the way we see money. What does the word of God have to say about money? We hope personal opinions about that. We hope personal opinions about money. We hope personal opinions about relationship. We hope personal opinions about people, about others. But are those opinions we hold just based on what people say or what the word says? On what the word of says? Psalm 101 verse 5. He said, he that privately slander his neighbor, him shall God cut off. I mean, there will be private slander. 
People will slander people. So when you hear something, don't just accept it. That's why the Bible says, prove all things and hold fast to the one that is true. Don't just say, well, this man looks at me like a man of God. The word of God tells us in 1 John 4, 1, he said, test every spirit with that day out of God because there are other spirits that have gone into the world. They may look like it, smell like it, appear like it, but in the final analysis, when you weigh it in the world, it does not agree. It does not tally. It does not. No matter what they wear it for, wear it with, no matter what they put on it to make it look acceptable. I mean, if it does not tally with the word of God, then it's not proper. Romans 3, 4, let God be true. And let everyone as it were be in line. We need to begin to see things the way the word of God says it. Amen. Whether it's good, Jeremiah 42, 6, or whether it's evil, we have to do what the Lord says. That it may be well with us. I'm not bound to see the way you tell me to see it. I'm not bound to see the way I have seen it. New fresh revelation in line with the word of God makes you begin to see things differently. When the revelation of God's word begins to come, your eyes begin to open. Paul prayed that the eyes of understanding may be enlightened. Ephesians 1 18, that we may know. When new lights are coming, when new teachings are coming about tithes, about giving, about praying, about fasting. I mean, you may not see why you should fast up to that time. But when the word of God begins to, to be brought to you, and you begin to see that, look, this is what the word of God says. There is nothing you should do against the word, but for the word. We need to begin to see things the way the word of God described those things to be. We need to look at them in the light of God's word. Not bother about what somebody else says. I mean, they will say it, and if you are not careful, you base your decision on what somebody said. But if you are going to interest, involve yourself in profitable, profitable insights, you have to see things only in the way God's word says you see it. Secondly, if you have to go, if you are going to see things the way you are supposed to see it, you are going to have to see things based on what the Holy Spirit reveals to you personally. It is one thing for somebody to say, God told me. No matter what God tells somebody else, he's able to tell you too. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret thing belong to the Lord our God. The things that are revealed belong unto us. You need to pray that the Spirit of God will reveal it to you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you. I'm not harassed. You see, in those days when I was a young Christian, and people come to me and say, God said. I say, well, since God said. But I've always learned to go to God and say, did you actually say? Or did you not say? Because some people just come and think they can bamboozle you with revelations, with dreams, with visions. And they try to use this thing if you are not careful to control your life. And try to, to make you bow because they, they, they feel that they, they are saying something. They claim because how are we sure God told them? God says prove all things. Uh, that's why Paul said to the Philippian Christians in Philippians 3.17. He said if in any of these things you are otherwise minded. He said God is going to reveal the same thing unto you. Which means go to God and let him reveal it to you. I always tell people when people come to me and say, they said you did this, they said you did this, they said you did this. I said, listen, don't just say they said I did. Go to God. Ask him. Whatever vision or revelation God gives you concerning me, come back to me and share it with me. I will accept it if that is what the Spirit of God has revealed to you. Jesus Christ was so excited when he asked Peter, uh, the apostles, who do men say, I the son of man am? And everybody said, you, you are one of the prophets. You are Jeremiah. He said, but who do you say I am? And he answered discreetly and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Ah! He said, Simon, son of Jonas, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I mean, if you are going to see something, ask. Don't base it on your background or your experience or what somebody said. On the way you have always said it, go to God and ask him. Ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Hosea 6.3 says, then shall we know if we follow to know the Lord. God is always there to open our eyes to it. 
if in any if anything looks cloudy to you tell the spirit to lighten your eyes tell the spirit to bring this to your attention tell the spirit i mean job chapter 6 verse 24 it says teach me and i will hold my tongue and cause me to see we are in our earth in job 34 32 he said that which i see not show down me if i've done iniquity i will do no more people can say what you are doing is bad what you are saying is bad where you are going is bad ask the spirit of god if you ask the spirit of god the spirit of god will reveal it to you the spirit of god is the spirit of revelation he unfolds proverbs 25 verse 2 he said it's the glory of god to conceal a matter what is the glory of a king to search it out search the scriptures God is involved in exposing things, in revealing things. If there are things that you are not sure of, everybody is saying it about you. Uh, every, uh, uh, and it seems confusing. Ask, go to the Spirit and say, Spirit of God, please, I don't understand. Everybody seems to see these things. But is this the same thing that I, that I am? Is this, is this who I am? I'm not just going to base my reaction on what people say. People, how much do people see? How many spiritual people actually are in the church of today? How many people hear from God anymore? How many people see visions? How many people have met angels? How many people have revelations as it were? How many people are praying the gifts of the spirit? You know, so it's important for you to say, look, if I'm going to see it, let the spirit open my eyes. I mean, the Bible tells us concerning the man in the Bible known as Paul. The Bible said after he was born again and received the Holy Ghost, it says scales dropped from his eyes. In Acts 9, it says scales those were the scales that prevented him from seeing that what the Christians were doing earlier on was proper. That was why he was persecuting the church and wasting it. Scales fell from his eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 to 4. He said, if the gospel is hidden, it is hidden to them who are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded, blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine upon them. So, we need to ask God I mean, not just, we should not just see things the way the word of God says they are, but we should also allow the spirit to open our eyes to begin to see those things the way the spirit of God will open our eyes to see. One prayer I pray every day is, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. I mean, I've suffered in the hands of people that I call my friends. I mean, I've suffered in the hands of people who claim to be loyal or faithful. I've suffered in the hands of people who claim to believe in me, but became the same people that raised up their 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 their, 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 their energies against me. So one thing I pray nice, Lord, everybody will come. The Proverbs chapter twenty verse six. He said, "Every man will declare his own goodness." He said, "But a faithful person who can find." When you are in a friendship, when you are in a relationship, I remember one of our sisters here. If she's in church today, she can testify. I mean, this young man came and spoke to her, and everything in the natural looks very beautiful. But I had this uneasy feeling, and. I didn't hide it because I discovered that she's interested in the truth. Some people are not interested in the truth. They just want to rubber stamp whatever they bring to you. So, and I told her, I said, look, you can go ahead into this relationship. I said, but I feel uncomfortable. I said, I don't know what it is. I said, I just feel something is wrong. I said, I can't put my finger on it. I can't locate it. I can't define it. I can't describe it. I can't say this is what it is. I said, but I feel uncomfortable. And the sister said, okay, okay, okay. She accepted it and she left. I mean, it was not quite a month after, probably three weeks, two weeks, of three weeks, she came together, she came back to me and said, ah, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, sir, that you saw it. He said, the man has started manifesting. He said, oh, things that I know I can never have lived with, the man started showing his true color. Even before we started the courtship in full, 
Even before you prayed for us, the man had begun to manifest. He said, thank you, sir. He said, sir, sir just, just keep doing it that way. Just keep doing it that way. Now, the spirit, you see, when something is confusing and not clear, ask the spirit of God. Say, I want a profitable insight. I'm not just not, I'm not just not going to take that job. I'm not just going, not going to marry that man. I'm not just going to do what you ask me to do. Do what I think I should do and everybody's telling me to do. I, I want you to reveal to me actually the, the, the nature of something, the nature of somebody. And I know when, when you desire that kind of revelation, the spirit of God is there to make sure we don't go into anything blindly. He's the spirit of truth. He will take the things that belong to God and he will show them to us. He will show us things to come. He will declare them. He will not put them up. He is the spirit that declares on the mountaintop what the devil is trying to conceal and hold back from you and from him. Remember, I'm speaking this morning on profitable insight. The third thing that I know can help us begin to see things the way we are supposed to see it is if we want, if we say we want to see things the way God sees it. I, I want young men and young women, businessmen and businesswomen to pray a simple prayer by saying, God, I want to see this thing the way you see it. How do you see it? Not just how I see it. Not just how my friends see it. Not just how everybody sees it. But I want to see it the way you see it. Not just the way his word says it is. Not just the way the spirit of God reveals it to be. But the way you see it. First Corinthians. I love that. I mean First Samuel 16. I love that scripture verse 7. It says God was rebuking his servant Samuel. You see Samuel had been a prophet. I want us to read this scripture. First Samuel 16. Samuel had been a prophet for a while. He had been getting some things correct. But on this particular occasion, he made a mistake. He went back to seeing it in the flesh. He went back to seeing it as a man and not the way God sees it. Look at 1 Samuel 16. When Samuel came to the house of Jesse, he was presented with all the sons of Jesse. Before you get married, before you put your money in that business, before you go ahead and move, before you take that decision, before you bow to the pressure, ask God, God, I want to see this thing the way you see it. Give me your eyesight. And not my eyes with eyes slabs. Let me see it the way you see it. People are saying it is right. It is proper. It is time. But God, let me see it the way you see it. People have tried to influence me to do several things. And my prayer has always been, Lord, let me see the way you see it. Let me see the way your word says it is. Let me see the way the Holy Spirit will reveal it. Let the Holy Spirit unskin it, expose it, unveil it to me. I'm not just going to rush because I don't want to jam. First Samuel 16, verse 6. The Bible says that it came to pass when they were come that he looked, look at that, he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Now, when you look at the man of God, when you look at the man of God's comment, you will think the man of God is always in the spirit. That is the assumption. He looked at Eliab. I mean, this is not just a man who had just become a prophet, he had been a prophet for years at that point. I mean, he was old and aged. He was about to see to it that Israel did not become a nation of wandering sheep. He looked at him and said, surely. He said, surely. It was like he was certain. He was sure. Surely, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not. Look not on his countenance. On the height of his stature. Don't look on the physical. Don't look as a man will look. Do you look on things according to the upward appearance? John chapter 7 verse 24. He said, look, do not look on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. Which means God has already examined that man and refused him. He said, I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. 
So we need to see the way God sees. Because we are dealing with God. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. That is what some girls look at. The man has a calf. He's good looking. He's handsome. What is handsomeness? When trouble starts, you know that he's not handsome. He's a very ugly person. Because the man is only as handsome as he looks inside. What you see externally is his skin deep. If he, for any reason he loses the two frontal uh, teeth, you will see that it's not handsome. You will see that he looks like Leon Spinks. <laughs> or Michael Spinks, some boxers of years ago. Now he said, for the man look up, he said, for man look at on the outward appearance. That is how man looks. And God is not man. And God has made available to us his superior way of looking at things. The fact that that business looks good, everything looks smart, everything looks in shape. Oh, well, it's going easy. It's going good. Well, you are, it's, everything is smooth. And everything. It doesn't mean that. It's of God. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the earth. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. Now, he now changed. You could see that he changed immediately. He was first of all looking at the physical, the size, the, the outward uh, uh, presentation. Proverbs 31 30. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vague. The woman that feared the Lord, she is to be praised. He said, It's better to go and live in the corner of a house in the roof. How easy it is to live in the corner of a house in the roof? He said, But it's better than to live with a contentious woman in the same house. What God is saying is, Be careful if you want to live a good life because you may live in the roof. That beautiful damsel may not all that have the ornament of the meek and a quiet spirit, which is the size of which the size of God is of great price. Oh, she's slim, she looks in place, she smells well, her hair is to her hips. Oh, her teeth is they're woven into her head, her fingernails are bright and brittle. Excuse me. All those things you will not see again when Wahala starts. So you need to pray and say, God, let me see it the way you see it. I want you to I want you I want to see your call the way you see it. I want you I want to see it the way the Holy Spirit unveils it to me. I don't want the external to blind me from what actually I need to see. I mean Moses had to see the way God saw because Moses it was like demotion for Moses. In Acts chapter 8 when Philip went down to Samaria. The Bible said there was a big crusade. People were rushing in and God said, "Leave that place." And go to the backside of the desert. And he left that big place. He left the place of conspicuousness. And he went to the backside of the desert. Where he was going to minister to one person. Now why will somebody leave a big church for a small church? Why will somebody leave the center of where it is happening? For a desert. He was seeing it the way God saw it. Because the person who was going to speak there. Was going to be the first convert in a whole continent. Which is bigger than Samaria. We need to ask God, help me to see it the way you are seeing it. It is only when you see like that, that you profit. People find it difficult to resign from their work and follow Christ and do what God has called them to do because they are not seeing it the way Christ saw it. Before he formed you, he knew you. Before he brought you forth, he ordained you and separated you. I remember one of the problems I had. God told me to leave my job in 1988. Four years after 1992, I had not left. And the problem was the fear of the future. And when I saw what the future held for me, I was ashamed that for four years, I missed out on God's best. 
For four years of inaction, I was losing out on my profiting. I was losing out on my privileges. I was losing out on my blessing. And for every single day we delay, we are losing. And God is losing. The kingdom of God is losing. The church of God is losing. And at the end of the day, you will know that those four years have had to be restored. Because they are the years the locals has eaten. I had to pray to God to forgive me because in 1992 when I eventually threw in the tower, I knew I would have done it four years earlier and I would have done it in a simpler way and at a better time than when I did it. Immediately people may not see it, but let God make you see it the way it is. Number four, we need to see the word of God, the way the word of God says it is. We need to see the way the spirit of God revealed it to us. We need to also pray that God will make us see it the way his word. I mean, the way, the, the way he, God, sees it. And then number four, we need to see it not in the way it is now, but in the way it ought to be. Many, many times we are looking at the way it is now. But God wants you and I to begin to look at it in the way it ought to be. Remember, God called it, Romans 4, 17 says, he called it those things that be not as though they are. Which means God is not concerned with what is now. What is concerned with is what is ought to be and what is going to be. We need to see it the way it's going to be the way God will have it be and not see it the way as it were that it is. Ladies and gentlemen seeing things profitably is available for everybody. Most of the time, the way we see things shapes quite a number of areas in our lives. The way we see things shape a number of areas in our lives. It shapes a number of areas in our lives. Let me give you quickly some, area, some areas that the way we see things shape. The way we see things affect the way we speak. Affect the way we speak. Affect the way we speak. Ah, I cannot do that now. I'm not going to. I'm not going to leave that for this. I'm not going to go to that place. So now, the reason why you are speaking like that is because of the way you see it. If you see it differently, you will speak differently. If you see there is a hope there, you will speak differently. If you know that's where your future is, you will speak differently. The way we see things affect the way we speak. Number two, the way we see things affect the way we listen. If, for example, you look at me this morning and say, look at this man, what's he doing? I mean, it will affect your listening to me. Now, if you don't see me as God's servant, if you don't see me as God's voice, if you don't see me as someone who has gone to God to receive a word to bring to you, it will affect the way you listen. You now probably pay attention to what I've had to say because of the way you see me. I mean, if you see a church service just like any other thing, it will affect the way you listen. Number three, the way you see things also affect what you expect. What you expect. If you see a service as an anointed place, your expectation will be different. If you see marriage as a blessing and not a problem, your expectation will be different. I remember when I was going to go into marriage, I went to a man. This is what I, I mean, I'm going to say this to you because I told you earlier that people, people see things the way other people tell them. I went to a man, I was going to get married. So I went to the man who was a Christian. I sat down before and I said, excuse me, sir, can you define marriage? The man said, marriage? I said, I said, marriage? He said, yes. He said, marriage is like a city under siege. Those who are inside want to come out and those who are outside want to come in. Now, as far as his experience is, this, this, is concerned, that is his own definition. Which makes it like a city on us. Which makes he wants to come out. 
and I am, I am outside. I want to come in. I remember when I wanted to go into full-time ministry. I remember I went to another man. I sat down before him. I said, sir, I have this call of God and I want to respond to full-time ministry. The very fear I saw in the man's face. The man said, full-time ministry? I said, yes. He said, um, any child of God that says he does not have enough problem, let him say he has a call to full-time ministry. Then he will have problem enough. I said, is that your definition? He said, yes. I said, thank you very much. I didn't see that man again for a long time. The next time I saw him, I was already in full-time ministry. So I told him, I said, that thing I came to you for the last time, I'm already in full-time ministry. He said, you? I said, yes. He said, did you I said, yes. Now, if I had seen it the way he saw it and did not see it the way the Holy Spirit revealed it to me, where will I be? Where he is now? And let me tell you something that is far away from where he ought to be. I'm not saying this to make a mockery of him, but I'm only saying you cannot rely on the way people, even those who are ahead of you, it doesn't mean that they see see things profitably because the way you see it will shape you. You may have seen a vision, you may have seen a dream, you may have caught over an idea and you want to give expression to it and you share with somebody, he could kill it because he may be blind. Because what you are seeing and you are about to give expression to, he is not seeing it the same way as so. He does not think you should apply yourself to that same thing. So please realize that the way you see will affect what you expect. If you see that ministry is a punishment, you will expect it. I remember one man quoted a scripture some years ago when he was we talking about full-time ministry. He said, have you ever read the place where Peter said, silver or gold have I known? I said, he said, have you read that? I said, I read it. I said, but I also read the B part which said, such as I have. He was only reading the A part. He did not read the B part. I said, did you read the B part? He said, I read it. He said, but it's the first part that I like most. Which means he's, he's choosing what he's going to see. So the way you see things affect your listening. The way you see things affect the way you act. It affects the way you behave. If you see some people behave anyhow when it comes to God's work, it's because of the way they see God's work. If you see some people act with enthusiasm, zeal that is on fire, it's because of the way they see God's work. Jesus said, I must walk. He did not say, I may walk. And if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and you do not see the compulsion in walking, then you are not a follower of Christ. First John 2, 6, He does yet he abided in him, so even not to walk, even as he walked. Christ has given us an example that we should follow in his step. He said, my meat is to do the will of he that sent me and to finish his work. Do you see it? It affects the way you act. Now, not only the way you see things affect the way you speak, it does not only affect the way you, you listen, it does not only affect what you expect, it does not only affect the way you act, it even affects the way you react. When somebody comes into a room like this, and you see him always as your enemy, and he said, what are all of you people doing here? You just explode. And everybody says, ah, why is he exploding? Because of the way he sees that person. He sees it as somebody who is always picking on him. Somebody who is always trying to see, you have done this wrong, you have done that wrong, and that's why he exploded. You may discover that the explosion is more than what he was asked. 
It is because of the way he sees. He sees that say that person does not like anything good in me. He hates me. He doesn't want to see me. He, he, he does not appreciate anything. Now, his reaction is based on the way he sees things. So not only our actions based on the way we see things, but our reaction are also based on the way we see things. And let me say it again. The way we see things also affects the way we walk. If we see it clearly, we walk fast. If we do not see it properly, we walk slow. W-A-L-K. W-A-L-K. Not walk as in W-O-R-K, but W-A-L-K. The way we see things affect the way we walk. That is why the psalmist said in, uh, the, 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 that's why the wise man said in Ecclesiastes 2.14, he said the wise man walking with his eyes in his head. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 7, he said truly the light is sweet and it's a good thing for the eye to see the sun. Ecclesiastes 6, 9. He said, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. Isaiah 3, 17. He said, Your eyes shall see the king in his beauty, and your eyes shall behold the land afar off. The way you see things will affect the way you walk. If you see God as your source, it will affect your Christian walk. For we walk by faith and not by sight. If you see things the way the word of God says it is, you will believe in hope against hope, no matter what anybody says or anybody tries to get you out of. To, clear, to now deal with the, 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 the story we read. Go back to Luke's. I want to show you five things quickly. And then we'll, we'll, we'll close for the day. In Luke 15. I want to show you five things that I want you to see. The first thing I want to show you. Is the love of that personality there called father. I want you this morning to see the love of God as displayed by the love of the prodigal son's father. The Bible said that he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided. One of the reasons that makes us give or God give things to us is love. This is for you to see the love of God. He divided unto them his living. First Corinthians 3.21 said, All things are yours. Let me say this to you. No one receives anything from God because he prays hard. No one receives anything from God because he's a man of great faith. No one receives anything from God because he is a good person. The reason why we get most things we get from God is because God loves us. Not because you pray hard or you fast long. It's because God loves us. Psalm 47 verse 2. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob whom he loved. We are partakers of the inheritance because he loved us. Isaiah 43 verse 4. Having loved his own. Um, Isaiah 43 verse 4. He says since you are precious in my sight, you have been honorable. Therefore have I loved you. Therefore, we like give men for you and people for your life. I want you to see the father's love here. For God so loved that he gave. The father could easily have said, Did you walk? Did you work for me? All that is mine is mine. Why do you say I should give you the portion? Did you is is anything you did in my hand? But the father gave him. Not according to the works of righteousness that I have done, but according to his mercy saved me. It is not of works, but grace that bringeth. And by faith, you and I can be partakers. You can see here the expression of the father's love. The father gave him. 
The father gave him without question. He gave him without debate. He gave him what he asked for. Ask and you shall be given. But the reason why God gives is because he loved us. John 13 verse 1. Having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. First John 3 1. Behold, what man of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. First John 4 19. We love him because he first loved us. Now, let me say this to you. With everything the child did, I want you to notice the father's love. The Bible said he went away, wasted everything that he had. But look at verse 20. The Bible said that he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a, a great way off, his father saw him. The father saw him before the son saw the father because the father was waiting for when he will come back. That is love. The father did not believe his son is lost. He did not believe that his son was gone forever. He believed that his son will return from the land of the enemy. That is love. He saw him before the prodigal saw the father. The father had been looking on that road for months, for years, for weeks, for hours. He had been waiting for when the boy was going to come back home. No matter how terrible your sins are, God still loves you. There is nothing you can do today that can make God forsake you and forget you. God can never abandon his heritage. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, he said we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 8, 39, he said nothing can separate us from the wonderful love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Psalm 48, verse 14, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now let me say this to you, one thing I believe in and as a Christian, I always hold on to is that God loves me. God intimately, personally, deeply, specifically loves me. No matter what anybody is saying, no matter what I go through, no matter rejection, disappointment, overlooking, no matter, God loves me. Nothing can make him give me up to a lion to eat. Not even in the natural will parents give their children to lions to eat. In John 14, 18, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without forgetfulness. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That you may boldly say, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man will do unto me. Look at the father. After that boy wasted everything, he came back home and the father gave him everything. Look at what the father gave him here. The Bible, the Bible here says, look at the Bible said in verse 21, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, the father did not even react to what the boy is saying. If you confess our sins, is faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible said, while the son was speaking to the father, the father was giving instruction instantly. He did not say, I'm going to wait to see whether you have changed or not. The father's love is just unimaginable. It's so deep, it's so rich, it's so wide, it's so broad, it's so, it's so, it's so outstanding. But the father said to his, but the, the father said to his servant, bring me the best robes. A boy who just wasted all your money? You are giving him the best robe? Of course, he came home in rags and he had to be covered. He said, and put on him, and put on him, and put a ring in on his finger. He came up with his hands bare. He had been working in a pig's pen. He had lost everything he had. He had sold everything. But God accepted. If only as men we can have the love of God. 
when a brother backslides, people run away from them. When they come back to church, people are not sure. They have not made up your mind yet. He said, and then put a shoe on his feet because the boy came back with no shoes on. No clothes, no decoration, no ornaments, no shoes. And he was hungry. Instead of giving him just a loaf of bread with water, he said, go and kill the fatted calf. That is love. Love covereth a multitude. The boy wasted the man's substance. He wasted the opportunity. He wasted the position. He wasted the power. He wasted everything the father gave him. But the father said, I overlook that. That is how the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sins. No matter. He said, don't bother about that. It's my product. It's my son. So don't worry. I take him back. I look at him as somebody who was dead. But he's now alive. He was lost. But that is why he says, when somebody is missing, you leave 99 righteous people and go after that one that is missing profitable inside. In what way are we demonstrating this love? John 13, 34. A new commandment I given to you that you love them even as I loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have this kind of love one for another. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another even as I loved you. It is you and I that can show this love. Hosea 14, 4. He said I will love them freely. I won't charge them for loving them. I won't say, I, 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 next time if you do this, he did not even want the boy. He overlooked him. That's why he said, if you confess your sins, it's faithful and just, do not ever let what you've done make you run away from God. If you come back now, if you come back today, if you come back here, no matter the kind of life you've lived, no matter the extent to which you've gone, God says he's going to forget everything you have ever done. We have had lesbians saved. We have had homosexuals saved. We have had murderers. We have had head of cults, head of occult groups saved. If he, if he can do this, said, though your sins be as colored, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be as red as skimson, they shall be as white as wool. Don't listen to what people are saying about that person. He is this, is that. God does not look at them like that. He looks at them as what they are supposed to be. That he made them to be reflection of his glory. Brightness of his glory and express image of his person. Number two thing I wanted to see. I wanted to see the disappointments of man. There are two people here in Luke 15 that I wanted to look at closely. The first person is that citizen of that country in verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. There are some people who try to influence your relationship with God. They will talk to you. They will speak to you. They try to influence your relationship with others, with your spiritual authority. But you see, they will never offer you solace when you need it most. Do not let any man draw you away from God. Before that boy left home, some people instigated him. Where are they? Because people talk to you. People will talk to you. When you are doing what God revealed to you, people will talk to you. They will, they will speak to you. Probably this boy, he had to go and join. The citizen of that country was one of those people that said, come here, don't worry, leave home. Get what belongs to you. Come and stay with me. I will change it. I will help you. But when the time came for help, there was nowhere to be found. And look at the senior brother. Let me say this to you. The best of men at their best are men. Seized from man whose breath is in his nostrils. Profitable insight. What you need is help from God. 
108 verse 12, give us help, O Lord, from trouble. For then is the help of man. Psalm 22, 19. Psalm 38, 22. Psalm 40, verse 13. Psalm 70, verse 1. Psalm 70, verse 5. Psalm 71, verse 12. He says, make haste, O God, to help me. Even the brother of that prodigal was critical of what the father was doing for the prodigal. It's not everybody who celebrates your joy. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. I would rather have God as my friend and devote all my energy to, to worship him, to serve him, to work with him than have men who are not reliable. When the chiefs are down, when Christ was captured, the Bible said every man fled. Jesus himself said it in John 16, 32. He said the time is coming. Look, let me say this to you. I have never been a union person. Me, I've never been a union person. If I'm going to act, I'm going to act. What I face, I face. It's going to be me. But you need a jazz, a jazz. I don't do a jazz again. Because when the suffering starts, people suffer differently. A jazz, a jazz. Everybody is gone now. You are left alone with your own cash. I have never been. What I'm going to do, I'm going to do personally and suffer for it if I know it's wrong. But for us to counsel, thou shalt not follow a multitude. Exodus 23 verse 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude. I don't. I, even as a non-believer, I don't. In those days when the demonstrators they, they, they begin to say, to the vice chancellor's house, to the vice, even when they say that, I go to my hostel. Because I know where I came out from. Many of my friends were rusticated from the university while we were there. I was troublesome, but my own troublesomeness was not against authority, but against individuals. I was wise. That's why I finished school. Many of my classmates did not go beyond 300, 200 level. They didn't. 200, 200, 300. I know it's still a classmate of mine. The last demonstration we did, I live on go, 1977-78. Many of my friends were rusticated from the university because of it. But I've never been a union person. When I was in Poly, they said, mm, I don't do union. Because I know where I'm coming. And I know the devil's opportunity is to make me suffer. And I've suffered enough. I mean, you need to know where you came out from even if you don't know where you are going. So, understand, this is man. The very senior brother was critical. He said this, your son, who has devoured your, look at, he said, who has devoured, which has devoured your way with harlots. Now, did the Bible say the man had dealt with harlots? He said he wasted his substance with righteous living. Now, if it had been harlot, the Bible would have said it. But the Bible was wasteful, no doubt. He was spending money without working. That is actually what the Greek says. He was spending money without adding to it. That is riot was living. Where you only consume but you don't produce. Where you only take from you don't put back into. But he did it. The brother is secret. You know many times in the body of Christ. Many of us do not celebrate people. And those people don't know. I've known friends who came to me and sat with me. And what they said about their so-called friends, we are unprintable to be heard. Open your Bible to Psalm 50. I hope to kill this thing in the next few minutes. Psalm 50. That is man. Profitable insight. He joined himself to the citizens of that country. Probably that man was the one who encouraged him to come over. He said, come over. Come to Lagos. Come to our side. Come! 
Psalm 50, I read verse 17. He said, seeing thou hated instruction and casted my words behind thee. He said, you disregard my word. He said, when you saw a thief, then thou consented with him and hast been partakers with adulterers. Thou gavest thy mouth to evil and thy tongue framed deceit. Thou seated and speaked against thy brother. Thou slandered thy own mother's son. He said, these things hast thou done and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as well as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thy eyes. He said, you sat down and you are slandered. People who talk about you are those who know you. Those who don't know you, what do they say about you? A man said to me, shall of his household. Those two men disappointed the boy. The boy's heart must have been broken. The person he went to meet sent him to feed swine, not sheep. He had nobody to hold on to out. He had nobody to hold on to at home except his father. Many, many times you don't know you don't have anybody. You don't. You think you have somebody? You think so? You think so? <laughs> because at times you say, ah, I have people and my friends. I will go to my friends when I when I need. It's when you need them most you know the kind of friends you have. At times, God will allow some things to happen to you so that you can discover your real friends. And they are not many. You can count them on your left finger. Because you think you have friends. Proverbs 17, 17. One acid of friends. He said a friend love it at all times. A brother is born for adversity. But God commended his love towards us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. It's only God who believes in you. Many of those friends don't believe in you. They don't even think you have a future. The person who sent him to feed swans did not know he had a future. The young, the sinner brother did not know he had a future. Do not be deceived by friends, quote unquote, human beings, human beings. My father will say, Toto Jesus said, my own family and friends. If Jesus did not know God, when everybody left him, what will he have done? Open to John 16, 20. I remember some of my students, some of my friends who are rescued from the university in those days. When they come back, they say, I did not know Bolala is like that. Too. I didn't know. I didn't know. I went to him and he, he told me he wanted to close the door of his room. I'm telling you before you, before you discover it first time. John 16, I read from verse 32. Behold, Jesus speaking. This was someone who knew men. He did not commit himself to man because he knew all men. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and it's now come that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. He says, Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have no other person with me, but thou art with me. That all other staff, they comfort me. Number three profitable insight. The third thing I want us to look at is I want us to see the nature of problem. Many, many times we think our problems are from the devil. We also think our problems are probably from others. If some of you are asked to, to describe who is the source of your problem, you are likely to say it's the devil or others. But let me ask you, who was the source of the prodigal child's problem? Because he was the source of his problem, he was the only one who can solve it. Without you being ready not to change, nothing can change. To secure a change, you, the devil was not mentioned in this place. 
Nobody pushed him. Was mentioned. It is not what they tell you to do that is the thing. It is what you do. Yoruba says, Because some of us think, oh, you know, he's this person, he's that person, he's this person, he's this person, he's this person. He talk about me, he's that person. Looking at me, he's that person. Who stole this? He's that person who refused to borrow me money. My uncle refused to borrow me money. He refused to apply for visa for me. There is a God who can take care of all those details. Your father is enough for all those things. What then shall we say to these things? Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, what does it matter? When a man's way please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace. Many of the problems you are going through, you are the cause. Your poverty is your laziness. You are not being able to secure strength and support. It is because of your low spiritual commitment. Many, many times, take a look in the mirror. I remember in 1998 when I almost died. I was so sick, I almost died. The doctors came. They, they sent my, 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 my blood to the hospital to, to go and check in the laboratory. And the person examined the blood said, is this person whose blood I'm examining, is he on admission? They said, no. They said, where is he? They said, he's at home. He said, go and bring him. So they had to call me to the hospital to go and sit down to talk to a woman and the woman looked at me and said, excuse me sir, with all respect, you don't love yourself. At times, some of those sicknesses, the breaking down, the aches, the pain, it was because you pushed yourself too far. You didn't eat the right food or rested off. I mean, the woman spoke to me in a way that left bile in my mouth. And I said, go, 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 go. And I said, I said, I said, I will bring you sorrow to me. Don't bring me my father. I will bring you sorrow to me anyhow. Come on, man of God, God said, put that down. Man of God, think you could So I discovered I was my own problem. You are most of the time your problem. No matter, even if the devil enters you, you consented. If people push you, you agreed. If a thought came to you, you carried it out. Everything needs your body to be carried out. The Bible says a man had two sons and the younger of them, not the devil. If your senior brother treats you like trash, you first of all treated everybody like trash. What you are reaping is what you sowed. Look closely. Many of those problems have nothing to do with the other person. They have to do with you. Do you know that if you change, people will change towards you too? If you are going to attract people, you are going to reflect as you want men to do unto you, even do to people. And let me say something again. You can see profitable insight. A problem is nothing. You have the solution. The solution is not in God. The solution is with you. The key is still in your hand. The government is on your shoulder. You are the one who need to make the next step. What the, what, the, what the man is doing, sending you to feed swines, is not his fault. If you are not out of your place, nobody can send you to feed swines. If you pay your tax and give your offering, you have no problem. You know God will send help. You know no matter what happens, God will raise up a standard against the enemy's onslaught, against your soul. We don't have problem with others. You can blame the authority. You can blame this. You can blame that. In the final analysis, you are the real problem. The man, the Bible said the man came to himself. He suddenly realized 
Wow! It's not the person talking to me that is my problem. It's not the devil that has been walking over time. I mean, that's my problem. He said, I'm, the Bible said he came to himself. We simply mean before then, he was beside himself. Many students need to come to themselves. Some women need to come to themselves. Every wise woman. Your mother-in-law is not a witch. She has even never known the house of witchcraft. You are the person that has a problem. Your mouth is so sharp that when you release one word like this, it pierces more than a double-edged sword. Everything that happens to you, you tell everybody, and later you say they are using it to talk about you. You are the one who gave them the that you may not lose it. Relationship is to be fostered above things. There are some people in an attempt to get things, they destroy relationship. That was the lesson the prodigal learned. He wanted things. And he destroyed his relationship with his father. Give me the portion of things that fall to me. Let me say this to you. Do not let anything, marriage, job, business, affect your relationship with your heavenly father. Riches are not dependable. They are not, riches are not security. It's God who is security. The boy had an inheritance. Plenty of it. But he wasted it. No matter what money you accumulate, you could lose everything. Proverbs 23 verse 5. He said, why set your heart on what is not? He said, riches have that ability to develop wings and fly away to heaven. Job lost everything he had. The only thing Job did not lose was his relationship with God. And that brought back everything he ever lost. What you need to build is your relationship with God. Don't let anything separate between you and your God. What shall separate you? from the love of God. Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is of this world and the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall endure forever. God said things don't endure. Proverbs 27, 24 Riches do not endure forever neither do they crown to all generations. Beauties don't remain forever. Your relationship is supposed to be fostered above things. Things will come, things will go. Let me say it again. Things will come, things will go. But there is only one person that can abide. And that is God. That boy, when he was, when he was amassing those things, he, he was breaking relationship. And he walked off. When he walked off with things, he lost everything. And the only thing that became his hope for the future was the relationship he had. Don't toy with the relationship God has given you. Don't mess up your relationship with the church. Don't rush off your relationship with people that God has put in your life. Don't. Don't say because I want to marry this person and this person I will marry. When you leave that person's house, there's only one place you can go back to. The relationship that you forsook. The relationship you forsook. Years ago, one man, one man was just canceling me as an elderly man. He said, when you're on your way up, he said, be friendly with the people you meet on the way. Because you may be on your way down. And you still see the same people. Relationship is supposed to be faster than things. Do not let your attempt to get something affect your relationship with somebody. Relationships are still things that God used to foster because God will still use men. Psalm 17, verse 14. He said, Men are God's hands. Luke 6 38. He said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, run over. Shall men. 
If they say, God will give you money, we use men now. It's not that you just open your box one day and see it's full of Naira. You will have to use men. Men you know and men you don't know. But men whose heart the Lord has touched. Proverbs 67. When a man's way, please the Lord. He makes even his enemies to be. The boy suddenly realized that things are nothing. Things are nothing. They are nothing. Pursue it and lose your relationship with God. And you have nothing to rely on in the future. Things are nothing. Because the way some people treat money is like, if I can just get money. And when they get money, nobody is anybody to them. You will realize that even when Job lost everything he had, it was men, insignificant little men that God used to contribute to set him up again. You read this in Job 42, 11. He said, every man, his brethren, brought a coin of a, a coin and a, seal, a gold earring and gave it to him. And that was the beginning again of Job's wealth. Because the Bible said God blessed the latter end of Job. But he used his brethren, his brothers, sisters, neighbor, friends to set him up again. Do not on the altar of things. Because some people, they, when they open a shop, all of a sudden, church becomes a problem. When they marry, all of a sudden, church becomes a problem. When they get a higher job, church becomes a problem. They sacrifice the things of God on the altar of things. You will lose that thing, you know. Nothing continues forever. My father used to say to me, that's my father, he was not a person. He said, Ori, Ori, of Felon, he can't get it done. The executive president of this country may say what he wants in the next five years by the grace of God, he won't be there again. He'll become an ordinary citizen, an ex president. That's all. But his relationship with God, he should never tamper with because you will always need that. The prodigal son realized that things are nothing. Everything he gathered, he he, said, he took everything. I said to say, ah, my life has changed. He carried it. He went poor. After a while, famine came and choked it. He lost value. The only thing that mattered again was his father. Profitable inside. Possession is nothing. Relationship is much. Relationship with God, with the church, with the kingdom of God. With the heart of God. Let me close with one more point here. Another thing I wanted to realize is this. And that is another insight I wanted to see in that story. There is hope. There is hope of restoration. With man, this is impossible. But not with God. Matthew 19, 26, Mark 10, 27, Luke 1, 37, with God nothing shall be impossible. And the Bible says that Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him that believeth. The Bible said he came to himself. And suddenly when he came to himself, God opened his eyes. And then he started, seven times a righteous man will fall. It is not over yet. This is not the last chapter of your life. There is hope. I want you to see that no matter how bad things are, no matter how rough things are, there is a way. There is a door. There is something in the future that is still yet to be written. When Job lost everything, the Bible said he, at the point in time he said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eyes see you. He suddenly I want you to see that there is, a, there is hope. The Bible said he came to himself. And he said to himself, Ah, how many higher servants have my father? And they have to eat and live over. 
and I perish here with hunger. For as long as you are dealing with God, there is hope. You are not dealing with man. You have not fallen into the hand of man. He said, how many? He said, I will arise. I will arise. I will, I, I will go back and begin to pay my tithe. I will begin to attend church again. I will begin to fast again. I will begin to pray. The Bible said when he was far, his father saw him. Look at your neighbor and say there is hope. If you will arise today in your heart, if you will arise in your attitude, if you arise by your confession, if you arise by your decision, there is a way out. No matter how tough my husband have left home with all the children here with me, no food, there is a way. What you need to do is to tell God, open my eyes to see. I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. Do not hide. There is a way out. Seven times a righteous man will fall. There is a way out. Your hair will grow again. The Lord will lift you up again. When men are cast down, they are just lifted up. God will deliver you from, deliver the island of the innocent. He will do it by the pureness of your hand. There is a way. There is a way. I don't care how low you have fallen. I don't care how broke you are. I don't care what you've missed in the past. I don't care what you don't have. How you seek to have. Let me say this to you. If today in that big pallor, if today in that mess, if today in that terrible circumstance, you will come to yourself. You are the key that shows the way of the direction you are going to go. All you need to do is think a little. Pray a little. Fast a little. And God will show you something. He will give you an idea. An inspired thought. He will speak a word to you. He will give you a command. You are going to go and apologize. You are going to go and repent. You are going to go and say, well, Lord, I, I know I missed it. I know I made a mistake. And God will say, go back to your father. There is only one place where there is hope. At the father's house. In the father's house. You need to go back to the potter. He wants to mend you. He wants to put back your heart. He wants, I'd like a brother. A brother left this church. After a while, he messed up, messed up, messed up. He said, I'm going back to my father's house. Whatever they're going to do to me in my father's house, I want to go back. At least it's my father's house. At least my father's house. And when you come to your father's house, your father is standing at the door. You are telling him, I'm sorry. He said, please bring him something. Bring him something. Change his clothes, change his shoe. Put a golden ring on his hand. God said, I will celebrate you. You are lost, I found you. You are back away, I brought you back home. There is a way, there is a door. There is something God wants you to have. And his plan for your life is still on God. Stand on your feet and praise him this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. There is hope, there is hope. That is hope. Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. There is hope in your hand. Lift up your hands and talk to God. Lord, show me your way. Lord, show me the way out of this problem. Show me the way out of this debt. Show me out of this mess. Show me out of this, oh God. To see you. Lift up your hands and wash it. Lift up your hands and wash it. I want to see you. Worship him. Worship him. I want to see you. To see, to see you. I am lifted up. Hallelujah. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we 
to see the way the spirit opened our eyes to see. Help us to see it the way you are seeing it. Help us to see it not the way it is now but the way it ought to be. And Lord God we know that this profitable insight it made that man to do the right thing. He reacted to his situation in a proper manner and he was celebrated again. Lord there is hope for every fallen person. There is hope for every person in debt. There is hope for every person who has left home and is in the land of the stranger. There is hope for every person who is far away from home, oh God. Relationship with you is the most significant thing. Every other thing is nothing. You are love. You are light. Man will fail us. No matter what our problems are, we are the key to the solving of the problem. And Lord, you have showed us that money, wealth, everything means nothing. And you have shown us this morning that there is a way out. Lord, open that the eyes of that man and woman do it. Let them see. Let them see. Every head bowed. Every eyes closed. Nobody's looking anywhere. If you are born again and you are filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, please raise up your hand. I am born again. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues. Those are the hands that are raised.